Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. As you know, in the 19th of January, 2019, we had a visitation from the Lord, the Lord Jesus saying, seal my people by my word. As I am sending the angel from the east heaven to seal the living God, so send I you. And now there was other things that happened, but that's the bottom line. Well, since then, we started the podcast and going into the various levels of glory in the ceiling. There's a ceiling whenever a person comes in as a newborn babe. The desire and sincere milk of the word, they may grow thereby, but they are not full grown. Then by growing and by going from a newborn babe to little children, well, the little children, their sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And they've known the Father. They know that Jesus is the Father. And not just a separate person, but that he is the Father revealed. He is that spirit. And that's still not full grown. Then we go to the next step. The next step of glory is young men. Young men, I've written to you because the word of God is strong in you and you've overcome the wicked one. Well, they certainly overcomers, but there's still another level of glory in the perfecting of the church that will be presented to Jesus without spot and without blemish at the second advent, and that is the fathers. I've written to you fathers because you have known him that's from the beginning. I write into you fathers because you've known him that's from the beginning. We see that in John's epistle, 1 John 2, 12 through 14. That requires a growth from glory to glory, from faith to faith, just as Paul stated to us in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have his treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure. Well, in him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, Jesus said, well, I'm in the world. I'm the light of the world. Now it's expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the cover of the Holy Ghost will not come. And when he goes away, he said, out of your belly, shall flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. While he was in the world, he said uh, to his disciples, I'll pray the Father to send you another comforter, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus there in his humiliation, his kenosis, God had made himself of no reputation, made void, laid aside his glory, a self-imposed limitation, to take upon him the form of a servant. He had to have a man. A man lost it. A one man's disobedience sin came to the world, death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. Who is the man? Well, God said in Isaiah 43, 10, that's me. Thus saith the Lord, and that's and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, I am that servant. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. But the key there is understanding that he, the man Christ Jesus, 
is that spirit. He is God. He is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. And every office of the Spirit in that function is Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God. And each office there is an eternal office of the one Spirit, not two, not two persons, only one. And Jesus is that person. He is the express image of God. He's the express image of his singular person. When you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. Now, there's a work, a work of the ministry in the last days, which is a strange work. Bringing to pass this act is strange act. Now, God visiting, visiting us in that visitation lets us know that we're in the last of the last days in this work of the ministry. And this, right now, God is doing it for his good pleasure, for his work, for his glory. Therefore, is we're called for the work of the ministry. And we find that, that he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry, and that's something that he has secreted, but now is the seals have been opened. There's nothing hidden. It's now open to the body of Christ. In Pentecost, it was sealed. There were things that could not be spoken in the season of Pentecost because it still was another season and a higher glory to be revealed. That's the reason Paul said, I knew a man caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body out of the body, I could not tell. Such as one caught up to the third heaven, yes, a higher glory. Within the veil, the man-child caught up to God and to his throne. The body of Christ, not in a rapture, but in a higher revelation of Jesus. And he said, this man saw things. Now, things are always the things of faith. Anytime you see things in the Word of God, it's the things of faith. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Every time you see things, automatically, that is faith. Jesus said to his disciples, going to Jerusalem, there to be crucified, be tried, and the Praetorian there in uh, before, before Pilate and uh, Philip, uh, there in Herod, as he is going to be tried, that he said uh, uh, that these things that were going to be revealed had not been revealed yet. Somebody said, how do you know that? Well, Jesus said, I have many things to tell you disciples. Now, they'd walked with Jesus three and a half years. That's a long time that they have forsaken all, left all, and followed him. And yet Jesus said, I have many things, not just a few things. I have many things to tell you, but you're not able to bear them now. Well, why not? Because it's not the right season yet. But he said, now there's a time it's coming when the Holy Ghost has come. He'll speak of me for all that the Father's given is given unto me. And he will show you things. 
that will come to pass. He will show you things, the things of faith. So the body of Christ has been earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And that lets us know that the faith in the last days is unto perfection. We know it because he said, I gave some. Jesus gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That's their job through the Holy Ghost, through the leading of the Holy Ghost, for the perfecting of the body of Christ, coming to full measure, full-grown fathers being weaned from the milk and of full age, having their senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil and experienced in the word of uh, righteousness. We find that in Hebrews 5 when Paul was talking about Melchizedek the king priesthood, which we all in the body of Christ are called to enter into. There, Jesus said, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. There's a work of the ministry that still is ahead of us. It is the proclamation of this gospel of the kingdom being preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. But what will they be preaching? the kingdom of God. What did Jesus preach? The kingdom of God. What did the disciples preach? The kingdom of God. What do we preach? One verse? No, the kingdom of God. And those that are counted worthy to enter into the kingdom of God that will preach this everlasting gospel will come to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. They will not be Pentecostal. There's a higher glory than Pentecost. Paul also alluded to it again in Hebrews 9. So there's a worldly sanctuary with a divine service talking about the tabernacle, tabernacle of Moses. And he talks about within the veil, the altar of incense that lets us know the golden censers within the veil, day of atonement. But he said, then there's something happening here. Hebrews 9, 5, the cherubim, those cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. Now, we know that's within the veil. That's not in the season of Pentecost. That's in the season of tabernacles. And he said, this time, these cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. And then he said a profound statement of which now, we cannot speak particularly. Why couldn't he speak particularly of the cherubim? Because the work of that body of Christ was not to be completed in Pentecost, the embryonic church that's in a growth state but had not come to full perfection. And that's where we are now in this season of tabernacles. God having provided some better thing for us that they that died never having received the promise without us shall not be made perfect. It will perfect the body of Christ all the way back through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, shedding his righteous, holy, spotless, blameless blood. And that has already been paid for. We have yet to experience all of it. 
but we're in that season now. Now, it's revealed to us in this book that are sealed that Jesus has opened the seals. It was sealed. It was signed. It was signatured. It was the king's seal of Jesus. Sealed. These letters, the letters unto the seven churches, but it's given to the angels, to the seven churches. Somebody said, well, those are the angels. Maybe it's, maybe it's Gabriel. Maybe it's, it's Michael, Uriel, Raphael. <laughs> those angels are angelos. It's the two sons of all. It's the two olive trees. It's the two candlesticks that's going to empty out of themselves the golden oil. Not regular beaten olive oil that you have in Shabbat in Pentecost, but golden oil, the oil of truth from the throne room itself, a higher glory than Pentecost, much higher, radically higher, so much higher that the ones that do not receive this new wine and make themselves new wineskins to hold this wine will not be able to enter in. If we stay in the old wine, which is the old wineskin, Pentecost, and we try to put the new wine into it, Jesus said that wineskin will burst and both will be destroyed. But if a man will make himself a vessel under honor meat for the master's use in present truth as a new wineskin, re- receiving the new wine, the new thing that God is doing in the last season of God, the final season, the season that we are now in tabernacles, which has three feasts. Now, we know that God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit. He's not a second person of the Godhead. The Lord is Jesus Christ. The Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That says we all with open face. In other words, we have to have a face that's going to be face to face with Jesus. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. The final glory. We will know even as we are known of him. And that which is in part will be done away with. We will come to that full knowledge of Jesus Christ. We will come to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus. Unto a perfect man. Unto the knowledge of the Son of God. That knowledge of the Son of God is not just knowing Jesus after the Spirit receiving the Holy Ghost in a Pentecostal fashion. But it is a higher level of glory. Well, when you see knowledge there of Jesus Christ, there in Ephesians 4, the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ in the unity of the faith until the knowledge 
of the Son of God is not just being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not just knowing Jesus after the Spirit. It is not gnosko, which is having the Spirit of God. But it's epi gnosko, epi, much higher glory, that knowledge, the knowledge of Jesus Christ unto what? Unto a perfect man. How could a man be perfect? Well, Jesus ahead, and each you, each member in the body of Christ, members in particular, making up but one man, the body of Christ, filling heaven and earth. Heaven, my throne, the earth is my footstool, and the, the man Christ Jesus and the Son of Man, Revelation, fills heaven and earth. Jesus ahead, and we, the body of the Christ, in the feet generation. And blessed are the feet of those that publish the gospel of peace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the feet generation. And it's but one body, Jesus having all the glory. And we, individual members in the body of Christ, lifting him up to draw men unto him. That's for the work of the ministry. That is perfection of the body of Christ. We find that in Daniel 9, 24, that we find that there is, and I'll read it directly from the Word of God, and it says, 70 weeks. 70 is restoration. And he knows, Daniel knew what these 70 weeks were when he understood and read in the book of Jeremiah. That 70 weeks and these 70 Sabbaths that were literally determined upon Israel because she kept not her Sabbaths. God said, I'll declare a Sabbath for you. So these 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, Daniel, and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, now, Jesus took away the sin of the world on the cross. But this is going to make an end of sins. There will be no more that in the dispensation of grace, that where we sin, grace did much more bound. This will be an end of sins. And it tells us also there, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. Now, iniquity is lawlessness. And iniquity is abounding now, but there will be an end of it. And because iniquity will, ab will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Iniquity is lawlessness. Iniquity is not being led of the Spirit of God. You may have the Spirit of God. You may have Christ in you. But iniquity is not obeying it. It's carnal-mindedness. The natural mind knows nothing of the things of God. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's life and it's peace. But to be carnally minded, and Paul told the church at Corinth, though you have all these gifts working, there are divisions among you. There's hate, envy, malice, you know. And are you still not yet carnal? To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life 
and peace. So to be carnally minded is you have the Holy Ghost, but you're not walking in the light as he's in the light. And we find that if we walk in the light as Jesus, he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Fellowship in the body of Christ is a blood flow, literally blowing, flowing through the body of Christ in present truth. The truth is the blood. The blood is the truth. That's the reason when they said you, in the book of Acts, when you intend to preach this man's name, Jesus, you, did, you do intend to bring his blood upon us because the blood speaks better things than that of Abel, and it speaks, it's the word of God, and everything is held together by the word of his power. And that word is the blood, and that fellowship one with another is the walking in the light as he's in the light, in blood flow, in speaking the same things, one mind and one accord, in the present truth. Not Pentecost. Certainly not in the feast of Passover or the season of Passover, in the death, burial, and resurrection. That's already passed. Jesus has died on that cross, taken away the sin of the world, was buried, declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, and was raised. And then went back to the Father, glorified with the Father's own self. He took the glory back that he laid off to become a man. He took it all back. Now, that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as revealed to us in the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then there's another season, which would have shadowed things to come in Leviticus 23, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, we've been in this Pentecostal season for over two days, over 2,000 years. Somebody said, why do you say two days? Because the day with the Lord is 1,000 years, and 1,000 years with him is as one day. In God's calendar, it's only been a couple of days, two days as a matter of fact. And we find in Hosea, Six, come and let us return to the Lord. Well, why? Because we have uh, literally trespassed. We have literally sinned and gotten out of the way. We have lost the revelation of God in obedience in that light, walking in the light as he is in the light. We there, the body of Christ, then that does this will have blood flow in truth. You have to walk in the truth the present proceeding word of God. And then, and only then, does the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now, with that said, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, well, that's present truth. It's flowing. It's going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So is it essential to know the present truth of the word of God? Of course it is. And it's not in Pentecost. It's not in all truth, not in just the gospel in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, because there's seven feasts of the Lord that we must eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood. Well, somebody said, well, I've done that in the first three feasts. Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of First Fruits, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. True. 
but that's only three feasts. If you're a fundamentalist, well, you've repented. Well, that's one feast. That's wonderful. Praise God. You've had a, a definite experience with God, and that's wonderful. Things change. The way you think, the way you walk, everything, you change. You cannot have an experience with God and remain the same, even in repentance. Godly sorrow work of repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. So if you've repented, sorrow for your sins, and you have made a conscious will in your volition to live the word of God and we have truly repented, you've had an experience in God as a fundamentalist, just like they did in the uh, book of Acts, the 19th chapter. Being baptized with water unto repentance. You repented. But Paul said, now look, you've got to go further. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? I said, sir, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Well, Paul said, uh, then what were you baptized? You should have not only just repented, but you should have been baptized also. They said, yeah, we were baptized with John's baptism. John baptized with water, not in the name of Jesus, but water of repentance. And Paul said, ah, you have truly repented. You've had a great experience, but there's more. You've got to go on. Then he said, John truly did baptize with water under repentance. That's true. That's a truth. It's, it's undeniable truth. If you're a fundamentalist, that's truth. But there's more. And so I said, well, what, 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 what am I supposed to do? Well, the word of God shows us how to go on. Because the Holy Ghost speaks of me, Jesus said, the word of God. He'll never deny his word. God cannot deny himself. And he cannot lie. Well, Paul said, well, John the Baptist truly did baptize with water under repentance. They were believers. But they have to grow up into Jesus in all things. And there's more, more for them. So Paul said, John truly did baptize with the water under repentance, saying to them that you should look on him that should come after him. I must decrease, he must increase. And John the Baptist did that. He was faithful in all of his ways. And he that's least in the kingdom of God now is greater than John the Baptist because you have the spirit of truth in you in the body of Christ to come unto perfection and to the measure of the statue of Jesus from faith to faith, from glory to glory. That's the reason Jesus said that. He that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Now, that is a profound statement. Well, then Paul goes on in Acts, the 19th chapter, and says, Then he preached to them Jesus Christ. And they heard it, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, they have buried with him in baptism. That's that unleavened bread. They're buried with Jesus in baptism. Not just Passover and repentance. They, they ate that flesh of Jesus and drank his blood in the second feast of the Lord. 
unleavened bread. They've been buried with him at baptism. What? No, you're not as many of you were baptized, were baptized into Christ's death. That like as the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, you would be raised to the newness of life. You become a new creature. Why? Because of Romans 6, 4, the body of the sins of the flesh are destroyed by baptism. You find that again in Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. You're complete in him, Jesus, and have need of nothing else, in whom you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, Colossians 2, 12, by baptism, through faith in the operation of God. Well, that's the faith. You had faith that God's going to, that faith in that operation of God, that God takes a spiritual scaffold and in baptism, invoking the name of Jesus, cuts off the foreskin, circumcises the foreskin of your heart, the body of the sins of the flesh destroyed by baptism. And you have faith in that operation, that spiritual operation that God does when he cuts off the body of the sins of the flesh from your heart. And that then you have partaken of three things. You've repented. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus and raised to the news of life. But then you go to the fourth feast of the Lord, that second season of Pentecost. Well, then you receive the Holy Ghost. With the outward evidence, it's outward evidence of speaking in other tongues, Acts 2, 4. Well, how does that happen? Well, you've received the Holy Ghost because Acts 2, 38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Not just repentance, but and be baptized. That's exactly what Paul told the brethren to do in Acts the 19th chapter. They had completed one feast of the Lord. They'd had that experience in, in repentance. But he said, now, have you, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? We don't even know what you're talking about. We don't know if there would be any Holy Ghost. Well, Paul, knowing that water baptism in the name of Jesus is the spiritual circumcision of that body of the sins of the flesh destroyed by baptism, and then you receive the Holy Ghost. And he asked him, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we don't even know what you're talking about. So he said, then what were you baptized? That baptism will make the way for you in obedience. That's the second and third piece of the Lord. That shadow of it, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And they said, John's baptism, we've repented. He said, well, that's good. But they needed to go on to the second feast and the third feast of the Lord. You need to eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood in the second and third feast. And he preached to them Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is, the body, the sins, the flesh, literally destroyed by baptism, born of the water. And Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. They were born of the Spirit. Now they are partaking of not only the first three feasts, but they went into the season of Pentecost having the Pentecostal experience of being baptized in the Holy Ghost because they prophesied and spake in tongues. Well, that's four feasts they've taken. And most that have and have been in the last 2,000 years or two days in the Lord are Pentecostals. 
the fundamentalists have certainly had an experience because they've repented. But we've all got to get in the one mind and one accord in present truth. We've got to go on. Where do we go? Well, in the Baptist church, in a fundamentalist church, we simply go to the next feast of the Lord. Water baptism in the name of Jesus. Feast of unleavened bread. The body of the sins of the flesh are destroyed by baptism. Acts 2, 38, 4, 12. Acts 8, 16. Acts 10. Acts 19. And then you go on with Paul there in Acts 23, uh, recounting his experience on the Damascus Road. He saw the, first he saw a blinding light. And it blinded him and knocked him down to the ground. And Paul said, Saul of Tarsus, that said, that, who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Jehovah God Almighty. Now, here's a man studied at the feet of Gamaliel. And he one knew the law. Paul knew the law. Benjamite, Pharisee of the strictest, strictest sect of the Pharisees. Now, concerning the law, blameless. The law of Moses and the, and the Pharisee of law of the 613 oral laws, he was blameless. But it says, I am Jesus, speaking to him in the Hebrew tongue. He is Yeshua. Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You haven't gone on. You're still fighting me. And at that point, at that point, he is told what he's to do. Now, here's a man that's seen God, that light, that great light blinded him for three days. He knows the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, Jesus. He has the call on his life and knows what that call is. You're going to preach. You're going to be an example of long-serving. He's going to even go to the Gentiles, the gospel of grace being given to him. And Ananias is going to come to him, and he's going to, Paul's going to receive his sight back. He's going to be healed of blindness, and still his sin remained. So after that, Ananias said, Now, Brother Saul, why tarryest thou? Why are you holding what? Let's go on and go on with this. Why tarryest thou? Why are you waiting around? Arise. Be baptized. Washing away your sins. What? He's seen the Lord. He has a revelation of the name Jesus. He knows he's calling. He's been healed of blindness, and yet he has to be baptized. Yes. Wash away your sins. Arise. Why tarryest thou so? Arise and be baptized. Washing away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. Paul did it. Now, we, from fundamentalists, we do the same. We go on. I was a Baptist. But then going on from that first feast to the second and third feast, there, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, raised in the newness of life, the body of the sins of the flesh destroyed, by baptism, taken on the name of Jesus, or as many as been baptized into Christ and put on Christ. Then I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Outward evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's the Pentecostal season there. And I call myself a Pentecostal. But then God, as we've been preaching in the different nations that we've gone to, while we were in Transamerica, Kenya, Africa, we had a visitation for the Lord, a very profound, went on for two hours. 
and said, Seal my people by my word. A sealing? That's a final sealing in the apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7 of the service of God in their forehead, which is a necessary essential for those to stand in this time of evil. And it's, it's essential that we receive that sealing. Well, seeking the Lord, we find that there are four different levels of growth in the body of Christ in a believer. First, they become a newborn baby. Well, they are born again of the water and the Spirit, and born of the water, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. They're born of the Spirit. They receive the Holy Ghost. They're Pentecostals. But then we go to little children. We see that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I write to you little children because you've known the Father. Now you have a revelation that grows you to a higher level of glory. Well, that is little children. You've known the Father. You've known the Father? Yes. Jesus said, if you'd have known me, you should have known my Father also. Henceforth, you both know me and have seen me. Speaking, where is your Father? John 8, 24, he said, except you believe that I am he, the Father, you shall die in your sins. Well, that's definitely a revelation that we go from babies, born again, to little children. Very, very profound. And we must know that he is that Christ. He is the Father of glory. He is the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God. Well, did we stop there? No, we've got to go higher. Then from... Little children, we go to young men. Well, young men are going to do the will of God. They've grown way up from little children to young men. But it's still not the final growth. It's still another higher level. Well, who are these young men? Well, the young men are the ones that John said in 1 John 2, 12-14, I write to you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. The Word of God strong in you. You know the Word from Genesis to Revelation. In a volume of book, it's written of me, Jesus said, I come to thee thy will of God for a body that has prepared me. Search the Scriptures, friend, them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me. Jesus is the Word. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. These, these young men have that Word of God and have overcome the wicked one. How did they get it? How did they do the will of God? Well, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for you is. Now we have to prove that will of God, and we have to do it in obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6, well, God said in there when we must grow up into Jesus in all things, we must come unto perfection. Work out your own salvation. I say each individual believer with fear and trembling. How? For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Not our will, but his. We must do his will. 
And that's the reason Jesus stated in Matthew 7, in the Constitution for the Kingdom of Heaven and the Bylaws, not all the saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Well, they're little children. They know he's the Father. They call him Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, just as Paul did on the Damascus Road. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. They know that. But he said, that's still not enough. Not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Oh, my, that's a profound statement. Then Jesus said, why? Because you did not do the will of God. Then they will profess unto Jesus, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. They were called by the name of Jesus. They had the Holy Ghost. But Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. In other words, you had the Holy Ghost, but you're still carnally minded. You did not do my will for your life. Each individual member in the body of Christ must find the will of God for them and do it. Yielding their members as servants of what? Of obedience unto righteousness, doing the will of God. Because Jesus said, depart from me, you that work iniquity, for I never knew you, for you did not do the will of my Father. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some of those are young men. They do the will of God, but they're still yet a higher. And those are the ones we see here in Daniel 9, 24. Those will be the fathers. These will be the ones that have the knowledge of God unto perfection, unto the measure of the statue of Jesus, unto a perfect man, literally growing up into him in all things, all truth, not partial truth, all truth, that they're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. In the last days, there'll be many as seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that will cause some to fall away. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days, these days, some shall depart from the faith, literally busted, given heed to seducing spirits. It'll sound good. It's very seductive. And doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. By pulling away from the truth, the conscience, the spirit of man becomes hard. The heart becomes hardened. And what is that? Well, in Isaiah 28, we're warned that God's going to lay judgment to the line, righteousness to the plummet, when he does his work, his strange work, and brings to pass his act, his strange act. Don't mock at it. Don't laugh at it. Then, oh, well, the ones talking about perfection, they're, they're wet. They don't know what they're talking about. They're wet behind the ears. They don't know what they're talking about. We don't need that. We just, we're all saved, sanctified. We're on our way to heaven. We don't need it. And it warns. Isaiah says that this overflowing scourge has surprised the hypocrite. Don't laugh at it. Don't mock at it. Don't count it as nothing. Lest your bands of your heart be made strong. That's your conscience seared with a hot iron. 
stiffens his neck and hardens his heart, shall be cut off in that without remedy. Now, the Lord's grace and his mercy is endured forever, but we must obey. That's the key, obedience unto righteousness. And uh, that obedience unto the Lord Jesus Christ is counted to us for righteousness, not of the law, establishing our own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. So grace reigns through righteousness. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ leading us and guiding us into all truth. You'll see that in Romans 5. Romans 6 goes on and says, Whosoever ye yield your members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey. Even though you've got the Holy Ghost, are you obeying it? That is the key. And whether of sin unto death, when somebody said, well, I've got the Holy Ghost. I thought I was saved. Well, you still have to seek God to do his will. And how do you do that? You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. You find the will of God, what he wants you or in the, in the, any individual member to do in the body of Christ. Each one will have their own particular calling. Still, many different ministrations, ministries, but only one spirit. So the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. God has put the more abundant honor on the less comely parts. There'd be no chism or division in the body. And those coming unto that measure of the statue of Jesus, unto a perfect man, they reach the young men's status and overcome the wicked one. We see that in Revelation, the second and third chapter. But now, in Daniel 9, we're talking about coming on to the final step, the final consummation, the final level of glory, that of fathers. <clears throat> fathers is a full-grown, and that's a small l. Those are the ones that's come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, weaned from the milk and of full age. They're skillful in the word of righteousness. These are the ones that will be sealed in Revelation 7. The apocalyptic sealing of the servants of God in their forehead. Not, not in just on the shoulder of the breastplate. According to birth, you've already been born. It's not as you see in Exodus 28 on the high priest, which is a shadow for us of things to come, and the breastplate. That's another engraving of a signet. Well, that's doing the will of God. Those are young men. But there's a final mitre. It has a golden crown. And that upon the forehead of the priest. And we're called to be that priesthood, the king priesthood of Jesus. A royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. A city set upon a hill. A living epistle. That light that cannot be hid. And upon that, upon that, notice in Exodus 28, the final engraving of an engraver is that of that mitre, a golden plate, holiness unto the Lord, all capital letters and all bold, engraven in that gold. 
goes the glory of God. And God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit. There's the fathers. They know Jesus is the father. They know Jesus is the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty. But then we go on. We all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory, the full glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, not something less than Jesus. The same image. John 17, Jesus praying to the Father, said, Father, as I'm in you and you and me, make them perfect in one. One mind, one accord, one in us. What does it mean? That same glory that you gave me in the days of my flesh as a man, emptied out of glory, working as their kinsman redeemer of all mankind, that same glory you gave me then, that same glory I give unto them. Well, we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the word of God, we see that through that glass darkly now, but now it's coming more light. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more until the perfect day. It's getting brighter and brighter. We can see through that glass better than before. We see through a glass darkly now, but it's getting where we can see clearer, more clear. It's intensifying. It's accelerating. The closer we come to the Lord. So we all with open face beholding as in that glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, the image of Jesus Christ. From glory to glory, don't stop at one glory. You're fundamentalist, don't stop there. You've repented. Wonderful, you had a great experience in God. Go on. Let me say, well, I'm Pentecost. Wonderful. There still remains three more feasts for you. And it's not in Pentecost. The perfection in the body of Christ and the sealing is in tabernacles, not in Shabbat, not in Pentecost. And that's where we are now. We all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. Somebody said, that's impossible. No, it's not. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Paul put it this way, whom the Lord did foreknow, them he did predestinate. For what? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Many brethren? Yes. A joint heir with Christ, an equal heir with Christ. If you suffer with him, then you'll reign with him. And it's according to the foreknowledge of God. He knows all things, past, present, and future. And whom he did foreknow. He already knows in your free will and volition what you're going to do. What I'm going to do. All of us. And in that foreknowledge, then he predestined us. Said, I know what you're going to do, so I'll predestine you. You have free will? Yes, you do. And God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None at all. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance and do the will of God, do the word of God. 
as he has instructed us and leading us by his own spirit, doing it himself. And then, then that foreknowledge, knowing what we'll do. He said, I predestined you to be conformed to something, to be conformed, not just repentance, not just a Pentecostal experience, having the spirit of God, but the spirit of God leading us all the way unto the measure of Jesus, unto a perfect man. I have predestined you to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. And we have him as a way, truth, and life as our example. Somebody said, well, how can we do it? We can't. It's through the Spirit of God, through obedience. All we have to do is obey. And that is predestination according to the foreknowledge. He already knows what we're going to do. We have free will. Of course we do. And through that free will, he's already said, I know what you're going to do. So there's a predestination according to that. You're predestined for what? Now let us know that we're not just doomed to heaven or hell. It's our free will choice. But to what end? Well, for the image of Jesus Christ to come to the image of his son. That's what he lets us know that we're predestined to, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Many coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus. Just as he did in the days of his flesh, we do unto perfection. And those that he did predestinate, them he called. Many called, few chosen, because they don't want to do the will of God. They want to do their own will. They're not willing to sacrifice their own lives to live the life for God. And that is simply the reason he that seeketh to save his own life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for the gospel's sake, the same shall find it. Well, it's a pretty easy business decision if you're simply a businessman to sacrifice your life of 70 or by reason of strength you go to four score 80 years. You sacrifice that life through the will of God for eternity. Who wouldn't do that? Well, you have to do it by faith and obedience unto righteousness. And he's given you the power to do that. Greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. If you have received the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus, that name is Jesus. Well, then he said, now I predestinate you be and those that predestinate I called. You got that calling on you. And those, them that are called, them he justified. Justification by faith. The righteousness of God by faith. The substance of things so far. All truth, all things given to us. And then, them that he justified, them he also, final stage of glory, he glorified. Glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ not something less. And we've overlooked that. We think, well, we're just saved and we've repented and that's it. And there's nothing else. And we're good fundamentalists. We, we go to church, pay a tithes. Well, that's wonderful. We had a great experience. But God wants, and we have to have, essentially, we have to have, and it is without a shadow of a doubt that we have to go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. 
This church will be a glorious church presented to Jesus. It will not be with spot or with wrinkle. It'll be perfect in all her ways. So therefore, we must go and do all feast of the Lord, all of them, not just one of repentance, not just two or three of baptism in the name of Jesus, receiving the Holy Ghost. We have to grow up into him. We have to go from glory to glory, from glory to glory, to the image of Jesus Christ, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's how we do it. So we find in Daniel 9, there's this, this full regeneration. 70 is the number of the restitution of all things. It's the final consummation. 70 weeks. And that's the reason 70, as understood by Jeremiah, and the Sabbaths, that you will, as long as the lay, land lay desolate, she enjoyed her Sabbaths. Well, here we have 77s, 70 weeks, for to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for that iniquity. Then the last days iniquity will abound. But God said to Israel, the nation Israel, I'll purge that iniquity out of you in one day. A nation will be born at once. In the day of the Lord, Israel, the national nation of Israel, will come forth as this as the nation of God. And soon as Zion travail, in that day of the Lord, she brought forth her children. The church, the spiritual Israel, will also lay aside, there will be no iniquity in her. And to bring in what? Everlasting righteousness everlasting knowledge and revelation of Jesus Christ walking in him, by him, and through him, following the Lamb whithersoever he goeth, and it's everlasting. There's no end to it. Righteousness is that Jesus Christ in his height was God and is God and always will be God, made himself of no reputation, came into the earth, made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men. Found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, death, the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly, God hath highly exalted him, giving him a name above every name, a name exalted above the heavens. Then at the name of Jesus. Well, who did it? God did it in and of himself. Somebody said, how do you see that? John 2, Jesus stated, you destroy this temple? In three days I will raise it up. He said, 40 and six years with the Jews in building this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? Jesus spake of the temple of his body, and he freely laid down his life. No man took it from him. He was a free will sacrifice. He said, I freely laid down my life. No man taketh it from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to receive it again. This I received of my father. Jesus raised up his own body. He said, in three days, I will raise it up. We'll do that. He's glorified. He is glorified with the Father's own self. All power in heaven and earth given to him. Raised up is his body. Sinless body of Christ. Declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. And there's no other man that's ever done that. Proving that this man, Jesus, is God. He is the everlasting Father. 
He is the mighty God, Isaiah 9.6. Well, the ones that do follow him will do the same. They will literally lay down their life for a testimony, seal their testimony with their own blood, and bring forth, bring forth the true Jesus, the revealing of Jesus in and through that body of Christ. And they will. This will bring in everlasting righteousness. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. Well, he's always been God. Why did he do it? That, for us, to bring many sons and brethren under glory, to bring many sons under glory, to, to not only save us, and that's where we've stopped, not only to save us, but in justification by faith, but under glorification. Our vile bodies, fashioned like in his glorious body, whereby he's able to do all things unto himself through the body of Christ. You'll reign and rule with Christ a thousand years. That's the high calling of God in Christ. Well, the Lord there did it. He raised up his own body just like he said he would. And that brings in everlasting righteousness of God. And this is the ones of the fathers in Malachi 4. Remember my servant Moses. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's also in Revelation 11. We see turning the water to blood as often as it will. Smiting the earth with plagues. Certainly somebody, well, that's definitely Moses. What's the spirit of Moses? It's the body of Christ in the spirit of Moses. Doing the same thing he did. But that spirit is not Moses. It wasn't Moses doing those judgment miracles. It was Christ in Moses. We see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. All the Old Testament prophets searched diligently to the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ that was in them. Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets, all the way to Malachi, Moses himself, it was Christ in him. It was Christ that was doing it all through the men, through the prophets. Well, that is Jesus. And that is a Moses through the spirit of Christ. And he said, remember, my servant Moses, behold, I send you Elijah. Why? Well, Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration, they came to Jesus and said, why do the disciples of John say that Elijah must come first and restore all things? Why are they saying that? Jesus said, Elijah will truly must first come and restore all things, all things of faith. All faith will be distributed and obtained to the body of Christ. They will receive it. But Elijah has already come, if you will receive it. Talking about the first coming of the Lord as our suffering Messiah, the Hamashiach ben Yosef. Well, John the Baptist did forerun Jesus' first coming as a voice and crying in the wilderness may straight you the paths of the Lord. But that's a suffering Messiah. This day's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judgments in the earth. Men will learn that righteousness, that he alone is God. What does that have to do with us? That we must grow up in him in all things. We must. Not only one feast of the Lord, not two or three, but all seven feasts of the Lord. 
to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And that's where we're at. That, that justification goes to glorification. And we must be glorified. And that is growing up into him in all things. That is all things of faith. And we find there that he says that to bring in everlasting righteousness, and he goes on, he doesn't stop there, and said to seal up the vision. To seal up the vision is to engrave that, that, that vision. What vision? Well, this vision given unto Daniel, that vision that we see in Revelation of Jesus Christ, that same word that was given to John in Revelation 4.1, there was a door open in heaven and a voice of a trumpet talking with me, saying, come up hither, come higher, John. You're in Pentecost, now you're going into tabernacles. You're going into a new season, not a rapture. You're going into a new season. And I will show you things, the things of faith, which will come to pass hereafter. There it is. That is the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show unto us servants that's going to have this sealing of God in Revelation 7 in our foreheads as a king priesthood that we can overcome all things and stand in the evil day, not being deceived. We must have that sealing. It's not of young men. It's of fathers. And that's what we see in Malachi 4. We see... We see on that Mount of Transfiguration, John the Baptist did forerun Jesus' first coming. But John will forerun Jesus' second coming, just as we see in Revelation 10. Because John saw and he heard what the seven thunders uttered their voices, and he was about to write. He heard it. They said, write it not. It's not coming by that. It's coming by the little book. And he wrote right there, and write not those things which the seven thunders uttered. The voice of God. Why seven? It's a consummation of all things. God's perfect number. And there it was told, John, take the little book out of the angel's hand. Now, man's going to give it to you. You got to take it. Take that little book, the Bibliorridium, out of the angel's hand. And eat you all of it, all truth, not partial truth, all truth. You're not in Pentecost. You're in tabernacles. You're not in that second season of God. You're in the third final season in the third day. And it's in that third day I'll raise you up and you will live in my sight. And those are the ones that follow on to know the Lord. That is going forth as prepared as the morning. He will come to us as a rain in the former and the latter rain. Somebody said, we're already in the latter rain. No, we're not. We're going to be. And that's the reason he said, seek you, rain. Seek you, the Lord Jesus, the rain, in the time of the latter rain. So will the Lord make bright clouds, send forth showers to everyone, to everyone, grass in the field. In other words, he's bringing fire. But this is the latter growth after the king's mowings. He's going to mow everything down, purge us to bring forth more fruit. And that's not Pentecostal, Fred. That's tabernacles. It's our level of glory. And we all with open face must receive that. 
with all with open face beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. 2 Corinthians 3. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Not by us, but by the leading of the Spirit of God. So what are you saying? We're saying that there's going to be two witnesses. The two witnesses there are the church. The olive trees overlaid with gold are the cherubim of glory. They're the living creatures of Revelation 4 and 5, which is the church. They are the redeemed, as you see in Revelation 5. So there's much for us to gain in receiving Jesus Christ. Not in the first season, then the second season. We've already done that. We've been there for over 2,000 years. Now we're in the third day, 2021. It's time for us to, to seize that hope, to lay hold upon that hope as an anchor to our soul, the more sure word of prophecy. Here we go. We're going to that now. And to seal up that vision, the vision given unto, to Daniel of what would befall the people of God in the last days. He will accomplish to scatter the power of the holy people for a time, times, the binding of a time. Then all these things will be finished. And that vision was given. And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. The king did. And Daniel said, This secret is not revealed unto me or any of my righteousness or many of my holiness, but that the king may know what the Lord will do in the latter days, these days. There's a secret. And it's going to what? It says here in Daniel 9, 24, he's going to seal up the vision and the prophecy. What prophecy? The words of the book of this prophecy. And we must have the spirit of prophecy in order to understand it. Revelation 19, 10. And Revelation 1 talks about to read and keep the sayings of the book of this prophecy. How do you understand the book of this prophecy, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ? You have the testimony of Jesus. That is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, we've been, I will be going more into the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, which is a small s means that you're one with God. He that's joined the Lord is one spirit. That means that you're going to be one in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will have Christ in you. You're not Christ, but Christ is in you. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. And then we'll see what that saint said unto that certain saint. How long shall be the end of these wonders? Catch us on the podcast. There's more to come. Then he will seal up Sail up the vision and the prophecy and anoint the most holy. That's not the sanctuary. That's not the holy place. It is the holy of holies. It's the most holy place. Not a person. It's a season. It's the people of God in the season of tabernacles. And to anoint it. Coming forth and the anointing will break the yoke. The greatest work of God that the world's ever seen is just ahead for those that have a mind, the mind of Christ. How do you get the mind of Christ? Through the word of God and obedience. And then you will be the one sealed in Revelation 7. Those are the ones that will be sealed, the servants of God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them that were sealed, 144,000. 
RMD. He wrote those four letters in the Greek, 144 R100M40D4000, perfected glory. So we'll see that we're now in this time, in this new season, in the new wine. We must be new wineskins. There, there's more to come. Check the podcast as we go on the deeper into the saints and that certain saint, the Palmoni, the wonderful number. Why we must reckon it up, reckon up, and to consider and know, count the number of the beast, reckon it up. Do it by the wonderful number, the Holy Ghost leading us. The certain saint is the one that has that knowledge. Here's the mind that hath wisdom. It's not angels. It's God working through you, but it's not the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost in you where you are instruments of God coming to the measure of the stature of the fallen scrub to the point that you are sealed with the Holy Ghost, with that Holy Spirit, with that Holy Spirit of, of promise until, until we receive the promised possession where we inherit all things. If the Holy Ghost is bore witness with your spirit, if this is the word of God, we'd love for you to contact us. We, many ministers, India, Africa especially, but 75% of you are downloading this in America. We need, we need to hear from you. And don't stay. There's Nicodemus. You know, where you're scared because you'll be put out of a synagogue or pulled out of a church. It's not going to come through a denomination, friend. It's coming through the body of Christ, God breaking down all walls of denomination, all divisions, and bringing his body into one unified body in the unity of the faith. Give us a call. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can visit us on our websites. You can... Uh, send us messages, ask a question. We'll cover it in the podcast as best we can. You do that at sealinggodspeople.org or sealinggodspeople.com or dennisbeard.org. We want to thank you for your prayerful support and your generous offerings, without which we could not stay on the air and bring you these podcasts in the present truth. And those of you that do stand with us in your prayer of support and your generous offerings, we want you to know we pray over the offerings that God will multiply that seed sown back to you, some 30, 60, and 100 fold, that you will be able to obtain to every good work and supply not only the needs, but the wants in this ministry of giving and receiving. God bless you. Well, until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.